Hello everyone, this is Tim Dodd. Welcome to the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. Faithful to give witness to tens of thousands, yes, and to the millions that believe it. And believes in I believe that God's gladly lived a packet until all around the world it's been circulated. Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast today. This is the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast where we report on the works of God all over the world as relates to the end time word. Well, greetings everyone. Brother Mark Ajo here on the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast once again with Brother Tim Dodd. And uh, we're so happy to be back with you today. We are going to take on part two of the interview with Brother Anton Lahovic. And I personally found part one very fascinating. And in this, he's going to give us some a uh, little bit of his history, how he came to the United States. And it was shortly after that where when I first had uh, got acquainted with Brother Anton and his work. And I'm just back from South America. I was at a youth camp in Chile and met many people there, other brothers who were also ministering there. And just thinking about connections in the message and how Anton's life intersected with mine through Brother Lonnie Jenkins and Believers uh, Christian Fellowship there. And through that connection, I was able to write and publish a book with the help of Brother Lonnie, Lonnie Jenkins and how the connections just keep rolling forward. Even though the Russian translation of the message is complete, Brother Anton's work is not done. He keeps finding things to translate with his well-honed skills that will be of further benefit to the Bride of Christ. And I'm sure as time goes on, his testimony and his life, and he shared some of this in this podcast, will be of benefit to other translators. So, Brother Tim, I'm actually uh, a little bit sad that this podcast is over. It's been so enlightening and so fascinating. But uh, I hope the people also find it as interesting as I did. So God bless you, Brother Tim. Thank you for the interview with Brother Anton Lahovic. Thank you, Brother Mark, and welcome back, everyone. We're back here for part two of the interview with Brother Anton Lashkovich. I'm sure I said that wrong again, and uh, but we're sure glad to have Brother Anton share with us his experiences as a translator and there are many experienced translators out there, but uh, I sure am enjoying this in-depth conversation with Brother Anton. So without any further ado, let's get back to part two, and uh, we begin talking about Brother Lonnie Jenkins. Now, you worked with Brother Lonnie Jenkins quite closely in those days. I have a personal story with Brother Lonnie, several, but I suppose one in particular that uh, did change or affect my life when I was in a very difficult space, and uh, Brother Lonnie gave me some counsel. I won't go into that here. It's not pertaining to the subject that we're talking about, but uh, how was your work with Brother Lonnie, and how was his influence in your life, your ministry of translation, and all of that? As I mentioned earlier, I met Brother Lonnie face-to-face when he visited us in Lithuania in March 1997. We became good friends. I remember he was quite impressed how well I knew English back then, and he invited me to come to the USA that summer to improve my English skills. 
Although I could not visit him in 1997, I eventually made that first trip to the USA in 1998. Over the years, I translated hundreds of emails of various Russian-speaking ministers with questions for Brother Loni and with his replies to those questions. Later on, after I moved to Ohio and began working with Brother Loni in the same church office, our friendship became even closer and stronger. I recall that quite often we both would stay in the office till late at night. Brother Loni would reply to various emails and I would do translation work. I translated emails as well as Brother Branham's sermons. In that period, my fellow translators and I managed to translate most of Brother Branham's sermons from 1962 to 1965, and also some earlier series like Hebrews 1957 and The Revelation of Jesus Christ 1960 and 61. Brother Loni was a true Christian gentleman, and one of the things he was really good at he knew how to encourage young brothers to be involved in the work of the Lord. So, while I was working with him in the office, he received emails with Bible and message questions not only from Russian-speaking ministers, but also from English-speaking ministers worldwide. Once Brother Loni decided that he would let me answer those questions which were not complicated and for which I had the necessary knowledge. And if I had some difficulties, I would consult with him. Well, this experiment worked out just fine, and in this way I got acquainted with quite a few English-speaking ministers worldwide. That experience was invaluable. On several occasions, I heard Brother Loni say, I'm looking forward to see what will become of Anton in the future. Well, now ten years have already passed, since Brother Loni went beyond the curtain of time to his reward, and I am trying to see what has become of Anton since then. Maybe in human terms it doesn't seem that Anton has become very successful, but I trust that spiritually the Lord has achieved through me some good things. I really believe that in this world what is seen is not really what we accomplish. There will be great men in this world's eyes that accomplish much in this world as far as ruling kingdoms and conquering places and different things that will end up in the lake of fire. There are people like translators, others that are unseen, that maybe uh, don't have a much of a visible ministry or uh, maybe are not self-promoters, but they will, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, we will really see who it is that really did something in the kingdom of God. I think when the rewards are handed out, we'll really understand who was the greatest amongst us and who was the less amongst us. And what we count ourselves in this world is not all that important, but what we what we are in the eyes of God, I think that is what is really important. Another thing Brother Loni said, Anton and translation are married. Over the years, as I was pondering on that expression, 
I have found it to be correct in many ways. Maybe it is not my lot in this life to be married and have a family. However, I am immensely grateful to the Heavenly Bridegroom that he has allowed me to play some small part in dressing his Russian-speaking bride with the raiment of his word through my translation work. Amen, Brother Anton. Those things are of eternal value. And uh, I, for one, recognize the great depth of uh, struggle and, and contribution is the word I'm looking for in the midst of these things. I don't think we've seen you over here very much, but uh, it was good to see you here uh, last year and uh, to get again to talk to you now at this time. After that Witness 2007 convention, I didn't visit the USA, so as the time was passing, my friends in the States were missing me and I was missing them. Some of my older friends, like Brother Lonnie, passed away and went to be with the Lord. So I saw the necessity to visit my friends in the USA again. Finally, I saw the green light and felt led in my heart to make another trip to the USA last year. And it was so timely and in many ways. It was a wondrous reunion with so many friends. When I came to Lyme, Ohio, and entered that church office where I worked together with Brother Lonnie 20 years ago, so many emotions and memories flooded me from the past. First, I could hardly believe that 20 years passed since then. Some of the things remained the same in the office and some changed. I quietly sat down in the armchair by the desk and began thinking about those times I spent together with Brother Lonnie. It was marvelous to relive those precious moments, and I thank the Lord once again that He allowed my path to cross with Brother Lonnie's path in this earthly journey. Brother Lonnie left a wonderful legacy not only in his ministry, but also in, the, in those people in whom he so kindly and generously invested his time, his energy, and his spiritual resources. And I'm glad to be that happiest Lithuanian, as Brother Lonnie liked to call me once in a while. I'm looking forward to spending the millennium and eternity with him and many other saints of like precious faith. I didn't realize, Brother Anton, that you hadn't been in the U.S. for quite a while. Uh, it's very um, fortunate, I'll say, that I ran into you. And uh, I was very happy when Brother Mark Ahul, who works with me here, of course, uh, suggested that we interview you. And I thought that was a great idea. And so a very... Very happy to have spent this time together with you. You're in an interesting situation, and I don't want to put you on the spot too bad, but uh, I know you are a former, living in a former republic of the Soviet Union, and uh, have an insight into the Russian people and what's going on there in Russia. And we're certainly not that interested in the political sphere of Russia and that, but um, maybe you could just share with the people 
the uh, scope of the message, the impact of the message over the years since you have come into the message there. Um, I, I don't know, you know, wh- whether it comes from, you know, whether we talk about Ukraine in the former Soviet Union, the Donetsk area over into the Lithuania area or the Moscow area or different places around Russia. Uh, how many people are benefiting from the Russian translation? How many uh, Russian uh, countrymen or former satellite countries of Russia are actually able, do you think, to partake of these translations? And how far has the message spread in your view in those areas? Yes, Brother Tim. I also think it was wonderful that I was able to run into you at the men's meetings in Tennessee last year after not being to the USA for a long time. As I was planning my itinerary for that long trip, it lasted for two and a half months, I contacted Brother Barry Coffey and asked him if I could visit him that week at the end of September. Brother Barry wrote back, That is the week of our men's meetings, so that would be a great time to visit here. You would get to see lots of brothers. Wow, it was perfect timing. Back in March, when I was planning that that trip and was booking my plane tickets, I had no idea that men's meetings would be resumed as COVID pandemic was still around. The Lord really knows how to orchestrate everything. Well, when I came into the message in 1995, at that moment we had our church in Lithuania and some groups in Latvia, Belarus, Ukraine and Russia. As the missionaries began to travel and spread the message, the number of churches and groups increased, especially in Ukraine, in Kiev, Donetsk, Uzhgorod, Mariupol and other places. The message of the hour also reached the central Siberia and the region near Lake Baikal, the cities of Irkutsk and Cherimhovo. Later on, some Russian ministers took the message to some believers in the Far East on the Russian island of Sakhalin, just north of Japan. So, as you see, the Russian translation of the end-time message traveled from the western part of the former Soviet Union all the way to the Far East. In April 2000, we began having our annual conventions in the city of Alushta, in the Crimea. We had our last Crimean Convention in October 2012, before Russia annexed the Crimea in 2014. I attended most of those conventions in the Crimea and was one of the interpreters for various ministers who preached there. Brothers Lonnie Jenkins, Eugene Brown, Barry Coffey and Jason Watkins and their assemblies were very instrumental in starting and organizing those conventions for 12 years in a row. Thanks to those Crimean conventions, a lot of message believers from various regions of the former Soviet Union were able to attend those meetings and to have fellowship. Those were unforgettably blessed times. At least 500 people were present at those conventions in Alushta, Crimea. They traveled from Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, the Baltic States, Poland, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, and some other regions. 
When the war started in Ukraine last year, a lot of message believers left the country. I know that some believers are still in Donetsk, Uzgorod, and in some other areas in Ukraine. As for the exact number of people who benefit from the Russian translation of the message of the hour, it is difficult to say. I suspect that some people from denominations on the territory of the former Soviet Union also read the sermons of Brother Branham in Russian and other materials which are posted online at the website www.branham.ru. Also, some Russian-speaking message believers now live in North America, Scandinavia and Europe. I often wonder how the Lord is distributing His end-time message behind the scenes in some mysterious and unknown ways. I look forward to hearing lots of fascinating testimonies in eternity about how various people were influenced and converted by this glorious message. You mentioned in translating some of the other books, uh, such as the Supernatural series or some of the uh, historical fiction done by Brother Mark, that uh, you talk about uh, translation that is not verbatim, and uh, so that you can fill out the picture and uh, bring things to life in the Russian language. You were talking about painting and all of that, but uh, maybe you can just elaborate on the other side of it, which is the message of the hour and the distinction of verbatim translation and how that important it is to stay with exactly what the prophet said and bring out the clarity, uh, well, not to bring it out necessarily, but to, to strictly uh, restrain yourself to the text of Brother Branham and not bring out maybe things that God enlightens you or as anybody that reads the message of the hour, we are all revelated by the word of God, but we, we, that revelation is not contained in the text, but rather the Holy Spirit anointing upon the text and how difficult it might be maybe as a translator to just confine yourself to the, the strict words of exactly what Brother Branham is speaking. I hope that makes sense to you. Yes, it makes sense to me what you said in this question, Brother Tim. Let me approach this issue of the literal verbatim translation versus the free fiction translation one step at a time. Rule number one that I learned at university when we had translation studies, you must translate the meaning, not just the words. If the word order and the words in the source language match, the words in the target language, great. Usually this is the case with some legal, judicial, technical or medical documents, which are very precise and strict. However, if the words in the two languages don't match, and this often happens, a translator must sacrifice literal verbatim translation for the semantic or meaning translation. I understand what you mean, Brother Anton. I know some people uh, perhaps feel that a word-for-word -word translation is always possible. But from our experience, there are many languages, probably most languages, that that is not possible, especially when you consider uh, languages like Chinese with their 
different characters or something like Amharic with their almost hieroglyphic-like characters and uh, different languages like that. It's just simply not possible to do a literal word-for-word translation. As for the viewpoint that Brother Branham's sermons must be translated word for word as he delivered them in English, I do agree with it, but to a certain extent. For example, when Brother Branham emphasizes particular words on the tapes, this means that in the Russian language the word order in these sentences must be changed accordingly to express the emphasis correctly, exactly in the sense that Brother Branham meant. Therefore, in this case, the English word order will not always match the Russian word order. So then how does that work for you in the Russian language, Brother Anton? So yes, while translating Brother Branham's sermons into Russian and proofreading other Russian translations, I was confined to those strict rules of translating Brother Branham's words into the correct Russian structures that would sound natural to Russian-speaking readers and would not deviate from the English original. Of course, it was a bit of a temptation to elaborate on the Russian translation a little bit more and to put some extra enlightenment into the Russian translation, because we were just being flooded with revelations. But nevertheless, we as translators stayed true to our goal and didn't embellish or add anything extra to what Brother Branham said. Only on a few occasions did we write in parentheses brief explanations of some unknown terms or uncommon phrases that Brother Branham used, and we added the translator's note next to them. I think that's very important for the people to understand that as this message is full of revelation and the word being delivered strikes revelation in the heart of the translator. It's very hard to restrain yourself from uh, in some way injecting that into the translation. So uh, we always encourage translators not to do that, and I think your approach is well taken, so please go on. Another difficulty for a translator is to constantly visualize his Russian audience and to make sure that he translates in such a way that Russian-speaking readers would correctly understand the meaning behind the Prophet's words. Just as Brother Branham himself said many times, like the Dutchman, you take me for what I mean and not what I say. For example, Brother Branham used some hunting terms in the sermon God's Word Calls for a Total Separation from Unbelief, 1964. They say, Billy, get me one two-year-old, get me a blue cow, I want a buck, get me a full rack. I remember when we young translators were translating this sermon into Russian, we had no idea what a blue cow and a full rack meant. Can you imagine what would happen if these phrases were translated into Russian verbatim? Well, we asked some brethren in the USA, and they explained what a blue cow and a full rack meant. However, when I moved to Ohio in 2001 and had the opportunity to fellowship with other brothers who like to hunt, and I also did some squirrel and rabbit hunting myself, many other hunting and fishing terms of Brother Branham became clear. 
For example, I could understand that a hunting dog barks, but why in the world would a squirrel bark? It didn't make sense to me at first, until I went hunting into the woods in Ohio and heard a squirrel bark. Of course, not like a dog, woof, 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 but more like chatter, chatter, chatter. Well, then it took me a while to find the correct Russian word, but eventually I found the, the right one that describes the sound which a squirrel makes when it is excited or scared. Amen. I think it's good for people to hear this. You know, sometimes we get used to our language and our terminology, and we don't realize how much slang we use and how much words are very difficult to translate into other languages, not just Brother Brown's words, but even our own words day to day. Uh, I can think of many examples, but we'll confine ourselves to the message. In the sermon Perseverance, 1963, Brother Brenham says, There David was such a loyal man to his post of duty, and this lion, which could have killed him easy, come in and took one of the father's sheep and went out. And he didn't have nothing, really, to fight the lion with but a little slingshot. You boys know. How many times I've had to pay for a window? A little and a little piece of leather with a string, you know, and ram this rock around and sling it. And we used to knock these old snake doctors off the fence and things and throw it with these slingshots. If a translator doesn't know that a snake doctor is a slang word for a dragonfly, he will surely cause a lot of confusion and misunderstanding if he translates a snake doctor verbatim. So, to clarify this quote, uh, Brother Brenham as a boy used a slingshot to knock dragonflies off the fence. I would also like to add that the time I spent in Ohio, almost five years, was very important and vital because I was able to consult with Brother Lonnie Jenkins while translating and proofreading Brother Branham's sermons in Russian. Brother Lonnie gave us translators a lot of feedback and explanations when we couldn't understand some things in the message of the hour. We were fortunate as translators to translate the so-called meat of the message. The sermons preached from 1963 to 1965, during the period when I was in Ohio and could translate full-time. Moreover, the constant contact with the American English, spoken by Brother Branham, as well as with the American culture and environment, was also indispensable because it helped me to correctly understand many things that Brother Branham spoke in his sermons. Thank you, Brother Anton, for your time that you've spent with us in this interview. And I will say to the listener that this interview was done over several days, and much consideration was given, as you can tell, with Brother Anton's answers towards them. This wasn't just a simple sit-down interview, and I almost feel like uh, it's something that could be listened to by translators all over the world and uh, translators of this message and see some of the beginnings and some of the thoughtful consideration that you've put towards translation as the uh, hand of God in your life and the gift that God has given you to minister to the body of Jesus Christ by putting Brother Branham's words 
and other books into the Russian language for the benefit of the Russian-speaking bride. So thank you, Brother Anton, for being with us. So appreciate it, and God bless you abundantly. Yes, Brother Tim, it has also been a great blessing for me to participate in this interview with you and to share these experiences of my translation ministry. It's been wonderful to go back to the very beginning of my walk in this end-time message and to relive many of those precious moments that I haven't thought about for a long time. But thanks to this podcast, I have been able to reminisce about my entire translation journey and to share its highlights with you and other listeners. I trust you will find it edifying, and may all the glory be to our dear Heavenly Father for His amazing grace upon us. I also wish you, Brother Tim, rich blessings from the Lord in your ministry for His kingdom. I continue to benefit immensely on a daily basis from your two volumes of the Family Altar, which you compiled as wondrous inspirational material for Christian devotions. Until we meet again, by the Lord's grace. Amen. Well, we have to close the interview somewhere, and I think the listeners can see how this interview could go on and on. There are just so many profound lessons in there. I was picking out some of the key phrases that Brother Anton used, such as translating meaning, not just words. And the Word of God, we know, is the thought of God before it is the written word. That's why it can go into any language. But the translator must understand the thought to really get the meaning. And even though we might use things like artificial intelligence to do some of the laborious work, a machine can't have the Holy Ghost. A machine can't have the mind of God. So translating the message is different than any other kind of translation that takes place in the world and takes a different kind of translator. I was thinking of how Anton translated some of my own books or some of Brother Owen Jorgensen's books, and we've talked about it, and I've told him I don't really care too much if he takes some liberties to make it poetic or to make the prose work, but in translating the message, you have to be as accurate and as exact as possible. Keep your own thoughts out of it, so it's a different kind of translating that can only be done with the Holy Ghost. And I'm so grateful for men like Brother Anton, who have taken up the challenge to strike that balance, to get the meaning across, but leave their own thoughts out. Wow. God bless those translators. Amen, Brother Mark. God bless the translators. That's a good statement. Translation is so fundamentally important to the Bride of Jesus Christ. You know, I was talking to a brother this morning, and I coined a new phrase. And at the risk of sounding politically correct, I'm going to share it with you here. Um, I said, you know, there's a lot of talk about uh, white privilege and uh, a lot of talk about uh, uh, male privilege in this age, in the political correctness sphere. But I think in the message of the hour, we have English privilege. And that is to say, we were privileged for God to send this message in English. And we have uh, multiple English Bibles in our homes. We have English messages in many formats that need to be translated. Of course, the, the message itself began in audio format and then became into text as it was transcribed over the years. 
But uh, we are a privileged people as far as English-speaking people, and but we also bear a responsibility to help our brothers and sisters around the word, around the world, to receive the word of the hour, and be clothed with the message of the hour, which is their wedding garment. You know, the message of the hour is not philosophy. It's not doctrines of man. It's not. Uh, it did not come from the mind of man. But when you really uh, ponder it, you realize this came from the mind of God and came through the medium of the English language. That's what God chose, how God chose to do it. Uh, he could have ordered history in a different direction, but he chose to have it this way. He had an English-speaking prophet who didn't speak any other languages as far as I know. But yet in the midst of all of that, God used that English and a very limited English to convey his eternal thoughts to his bride. It just goes to show that our revelation that God pours into our heart is not limited to our vocabulary, but rather the revelation of the Word of God rises above vocabulary limitations. And all of the hard work and the labors of the translators to find the exact words are nothing without the supernatural revelation of the Holy Spirit to each one individually. Even as Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven, has revealed this to you. And upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the spiritual revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. So thank God for the translators, and God bless them abundantly. Our next podcast will be with Brother Michael Ray, who has just returned from Uganda. And translation work will also feature prominently in that podcast, not necessarily as a translator, but hearing some of the impact of the translation work that has recently begun. It's just over a year old in the uh, Karamajong language from northern Uganda, where uh, Brother Michael Ray visited just recently, and so you'll want to hear that podcast. It'll be uh, plenty of information that uh, will inspire you and allow you to think about your purpose in God's great plan in these last days. So I'm sure, like myself and Brother Mark, you enjoyed this podcast. As a listener, we trust that it was a great blessing to you and hope that you'll stay with us for the next one in coming out in about a week. So God bless you, and until next time, shalom. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Remember, friends, the bridegroom will not come until the bride has made herself ready. She must be both called and fully dressed by the Word of God. This is the Believer's Faith Challenge Report podcast. You can sign up for our email newsletter at BibleWay.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page where it says Newsletter. Fill in your name and email address and click Sign Up. In this email report, you will receive reports of the works of God in China, in Africa, in South America, in India, Europe, all over the world. 
We also publish a full-color paper newsletter two times a year, complete with photographs, reports, and testimonies from all over the world. The newsletter is free. Just request it, and we would be happy to mail a copy to you. You can contact us by email at info at bible-believers.org. That's info at bible-believers.org. Or you can write to us at Bible Believers, P.O. Box 128, Blaine, Washington, 98231. That's Bible Believers, P.O. Box 128, Blaine, Washington, 98231. This is Mark Ajo. Thank you for being with us today. And be sure to join us for the next Believer's Faith Challenge Report podcast.